Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you this night and we thank and praise you for your goodness and your love. We thank you for your word that we can look at it and we can study it. Lord, we ask that you would encourage us from it, that it may bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be, if you're addicted to serving the Lord, guess what? You're healed. Uh, you've got, you've, you do not have anything wrong with you. It will help you. Um, sometimes we, the verse, verse 9, let's just read it. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, no more, nowhere else in the Bible is this verse more vividly illustrated, at least in my mind and understanding of the Scripture, than in the daily sacrifice in the Old Testament tabernacle. Every morning the priest would come in. Not the high priest. That was not his duty. This was the regular priest. And in the temple, in Solomon's temple, the priest served in courses. They had 24 courses throughout the year. The year was divided up into 24 different time periods, and the court, and the, each course would serve for their allotted time uh, in the temple, the first thing they would do would be to remove the ashes from the brazen altar. As a fire burns, how many of you have ever actually tended a fire? Something that, uh, a real fire that went ongoing. Uh, you know, we're not talking about just in your fireplace so that you can look at it. Uh, we're, we're talking about heating with wood or something like that, where the fire had to be kept going. And in fact, if we understand the scripture right, the Jewish tradition agrees with this, that the fire in that brazen altar was lit at the foot of Mount Sinai and never was extinguished until Nebuchadnezzar's army sacked the city, which would have been almost 1,200 years later. Many times in, in especially Appalachia, uh, that region there, and I know you guys here say Appalachia, but it's not. Um, in the Appalachian Mountains, there would be many uh, European settlers, settlers as they came in in the late 1700s, early 1800s. They would keep the fires burning on the hearth. And it would never go out. If they moved, they would take the embers off that hearth and keep them lit until they got to the new house. And it was just a tradition that they, they carried out. And that was supposed to happen on this brazen altar. Every morning a new lamb would be killed. Its blood poured out around the base of the altar. It would be uh, the entrails removed and put onto the altar, it would be cut in his pieces, and it would be burned as a offering of sweet savor unto the Lord. At night, the priest would go in. The last thing he would do would remove the excess ashes from the day, and another lamb would be offered. Every morning, 
every evening there would be a daily sacrifice. One of the interesting thoughts, as vile as Hophni and Phinehas were, as evil as the sons of Eli were, they never desecrated the morning and the evening sacrifice. It was continued through history. Leviticus says, the fire shall never go out. And if you'll remember from our study of the Old Testament tabernacle, the fire on the brazen altar is not a picture of the sacrifice of Christ. It is a picture of the daily death of self. It is continually, it is when we allow our desires and our plans to be consumed upon that altar that the embers are produced, which offers the prayer on the golden altar inside the tabernacle. And we don't have time for all that tonight, but that is the living illustration that God has given us. And the priest had to do the same thing Every day, 360 days a year, yes, the Jewish calendar in the Bible was different than our calendar. They put a leap month in every 50 years instead of a leap day every four years. And I don't know how it all works out, but that's, that was God's calendar as he gave it to the Hebrew people. We get down here to the New Testament. Paul's writing the Christians in Galatia. Modern-day Turkey, he is finishing up giving the last instructions here. And he said, and let us not be weary in well-doing. Now, if I were to ask you how many of you get weary, every hand would go up. Even in well-doing, don't raise your hands. But sometimes it's a struggle to get to church, isn't it? Sometimes it's difficult. Uh, that's doing well. It's obeying the word of God. That's why we're supposed to be together. Amen. It tells us to forsake not the assembly of ourselves together, but much more as we see the day approaching. Somebody said, Pastor, why don't we have church every day? And uh, the problem is, you wouldn't make it every day. And uh pastor would wear away fairly soon here, but we're trying to have it as often as we can to keep us right. But it's in the context. You read the, the passages before, it's in the context of sowing and reaping. Again, we're in New York City. You don't plant the food you eat. Uh, my daughters tried to do some of that this year. They had little jugs and all kinds of containers out there in the side yard. And they would go out and dutifully rotate them so that the sun would shine on all the parts of the plants. And uh, we had an abundance. Uh, I think it was eight strawberries. Or no, no, it was over 20 strawberries, right? Okay, 20 strawberries. And if you like thumb-sized eggplants, I mean, we had to market on that. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you, if we had to depend on those pots for our dinner, 
uh, we'd be awful thin. Um, but when God, when Paul wrote these words to the people of Galatia, guess what? Most of them had to plant the food they ate. How many of you have ever seen flour ground? I mean, in order to get a five-pound sack of flour, you've got to have a great big bag of grain. I mean, it turns that to powder, and I mean, you can, uh, it, it is compressed. And by the way, a five-pound sack of flour only makes, what, two, maybe three loaves of bread? How long would it take you to eat three loaves of bread? I mean, what we're getting at here is the cycle of planting and reaping was the cycle of life. If you didn't go out and plant food, and it wasn't just some little plot the size of the platform here. I mean, you would have problems raising enough food for a year for one person if you had a garden the size of this auditorium. You, you, would, you would have to really strain to get enough food out of a plot of land. Now imagine if you had to raise for your whole family. The Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. Okay, what would happen if the farmer got tired and said, I just don't feel like planting this year? his family would starve. You know, there was one thing that kept the farmer out in the field in the spring. He wanted to eat next winter. And we need to allow ourselves to understand that God has things for us to do each and every day that are connected to our spiritual life. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you find it a struggle to keep up with your daily Bible reading? Well, what if your spiritual life depended on the food that you got from your Bible reading? How many of you would lose your salvation? Let's not raise hands, of course, but I want you to think about that. It says, be not weary in well-doing. Uh, the things that God wants us to do, and I want you to pray with me. I'm working on a, uh, a series here, maybe for next, uh, um, next year sometime, about how to talk to the world in which we live. One of the things that is well-doing is taking the gospel to the world. Doesn't it appear like they're just not listening anymore? I mean, it gets harder and harder to talk to people about the gospel. I was got a haircut today and sitting in the barber shop, and the guy was just going on and on and on about um, how nothing meant nothing, and maybe the Mayans were right, and the world's going to end next week, and or whenever that is. And I said, "No, it's not right." How how do you know? I said, "Well, the Bible tells us different," and. Uh, 
Oh, but nobody knows about the Bible. It's been translated so many times. I said, well, not to argue with you. And for about the next 10 minutes, I loaded his boat. Um, he was just sitting there on the way. I don't have time now. I got to get back to work. Uh, because every argument he gave was just pure and utter nonsense. It was just something he'd heard somewhere. And I said, listen, I don't want to argue with you, but listen, you got to understand something. All those translations that you're knocking is the very proof that the Bible is the word of God. Oh, um, uh, well, what about this? And he finally got to, well, I got all that in Catholic religion. I said, well, I said, uh, let's stop there for a minute. How many things did you get taught that aren't in the Bible? Oh, a lot. I said, well, that's the difference. I said, our church is about the Bible. And that was about the time he had figured his boat was full and he was leaving the harbor. But let me tell you, God will give you opportunities. But let's not be weary in well-doing. Let's not get tired of doing the things we're supposed to do. How many of you are satisfied with your prayer life? Real prayer is hard work, my friend. Let's not be weary in well-doing. I mean, let's get tired of wasting time. How about that? Amen? Let's get tired of the television shows. Wouldn't that be good? Just to get tired of that old TV and shut it off and not pay attention to it. How about getting tired of the news? I'm tired of news. None of it's any good. Of course, let me ask you a question. When has it ever been good? What you got to do is get the good news. Don't get tired of the word of God. Don't get tired of praying. Don't get tired of being in church. Don't get tired of God's people. You know what? If you're here long enough, guess what? You're going to get offended at somebody. Isn't that a terrible thought? Somebody's going to make you upset. I know because I've done it to almost everybody in here at one time or another. That's just the way life is. How do we get over that? By not being weary and well-doing. Amen. God gave you one preacher. Put up with me. I'll be gone soon. No. We'll see what the Lord will do. Amen. We have no guarantees. But we want to serve the Lord till he comes. When you find yourself... Getting weary with doing a good job at work. The red flags ought to be going on. The sirens ought to be wailing. When you find yourself getting tired of doing what is right. I wish I could just slam that pedal to the floor and go a hundred miles an hour down this road. Hey, that's a warning sign that things aren't right between you and God. It's a time to pray and make things right. When you find yourself saying, I just wish I could overthrow the government and find a new one. 
Let me, let me tell you something. That's a warning because that's not well-doing. God's people have never done those things. Amen? Let us not be weary in well-doing. It is the cycle of life. You will enjoy heaven the same degree that you enjoy reading your Bible, going soul winning, attending church. Somebody says, I'm not going to enjoy heaven very much. Well, get it fixed. Amen. That's what this verse is about. Be not, you've got to make a choice in your own mind and in your own heart of what is going to satisfy you in life. Amen. And that's what this verse is saying. It says, here's the reason for in due season... We shall reap. You see, we're going right back to this idea. You are going to reap what you sow. How many of you are glad that God short circuits that sometimes? That we don't get back everything. Psalm 103, Sunday night. He has not dealt with us according to our iniquities. Amen. But there are times when we reap the benefits of decisions that we have made now, don't we? And it's not always pleasant. But here's what happens. Let me just give you an observation. You've been living for yourself in the world and somebody gives the gospel and you begin that process of coming to Jesus and you finally get to the point to where you surrender your life and get saved. What's in the field that you have planted? It's all bad stuff. Because you can't plant the good seed until you get saved first. Amen? So you get saved now and you draw a line in the sand and says, everything's going to be different. Well, there's still stuff in the field that hadn't come to full harvest yet. And so you start planting good things and all of a sudden some of these bad things start coming in and you say, God's punishing me for doing good. No, it's the cycle of life. It ought to be an impetus or a motivation to say, listen, I'm not going to plant any more of that stuff. I want to plant good stuff. But we get discouraged and we go back over here and start doing the same old rotten things we did before. And then we get convicted and we come over here and start planting good. And some people spend their entire life just getting clobbered. Because the moment they start doing something good, the bad stuff comes to harvest. This is what it's saying. In due season, you've got to wait. When you put those little seeds in the ground... You're not eating fresh corn the next day. You, you've got a good 90 to 100 days that you've got to wait until that plant grows and you've got to water it and weed it and make sure that your kids don't go through and think it's grass and pull it out. And, uh, uh, and then that corn plant grows and it produces the corn and you've got to keep the beetles off of the silk and, and, uh, all, and the bugs and the worms... And then you get corn. 
if you've ever had fresh corn on the cob, it's worth it, my friend. It really is. Um, we had a lady in our church years ago, and she said, in my country, they only feed that to the cows. People don't eat that stuff. Well, I like it. And, and uh, I'll tell you what. In due season, you know, there is the hardest part of living is every day. Is it not? This is why, I mean, I don't know about you, but I enjoy the Lone Ranger stories. They're fun. I mean, the Lone Ranger rides into town and everything's going bad and all of a sudden he fixes it all and he's always got a plan and solves the problem and the bad guy gets punished and the good guy gets rewarded and then he rides off to another town. Entertaining. How many of you have ever seen that happen in real life? I haven't. That's not the way it goes. It's daily living. You see, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap. Now, what's the last phrase? There's an if in here. If we faint not. You can lose the harvest. I remember one year, we always had a big garden growing up. My brother hated it. I loved it. I loved that garden. The only thing I didn't like were tomato worms. Has anybody ever run into one of those things by accident? I mean, they're about this long, bigger around than your thumb, and it's got a big old horn on one side and all kinds of little splots. I mean, it looks just like something out of a horror movie. You ever reach down to grab a hold of weed and get a hold of one of them worms by mistake, and I mean, you're just sitting there going, ah, for the next week. Uh, it'll scare the living daylights out of you. But I sure did like tomatoes and fresh sauce and all of those things. There's nothing like in the middle of the winter going downstairs and popping back a can of fresh vegetables or fruit or anything. But one year, uh, I believe this was due to the Carter economy, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they laid everybody off at my dad's workplace for three weeks, shut the pole plant down, and my dad said, we're going fishing. And so we went and camped out for three whole weeks and just enjoyed things. And when we came back, guess what happened to the garden? It was just one patch of weeds. It was about this high. And I mean, it was the most daunting thing in the world. Dad, where are we going to go? He says, you're going to get up there and weed the garden. He said, you got to be kidding me. No, I'd never said that to my dad. I was thinking it. But I'll tell you what, the harvest was not good that year. Because the weeds stopped the plants from growing. It says 
we will reap in due season if we faint not. I want us to take a little bit of time and look at this if we faint not. Turn with me to Luke chapter 18, if you would. Luke chapter 18. First verse. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Now, we're not going to take time to go through the whole parable tonight. But here's the point. Jesus said, I've given you this parable. Luke recorded it this way. Here is the point of the parable here, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Paul said, listen, we will reap in due season if we faint not. You want to you, you wanna make it through? You want to not faint along the way? Well, you better pray. And you better keep praying. You know, sometimes God chooses not to answer your prayers because he wants you to just keep praying. Is that okay? Well, if God is making the choice, it is perfectly okay. It is fine. It is good. But if you quit praying, you're going to faint. God has given you this thing called prayer. And he wants you to learn that you can trust him even when it doesn't appear that he is working. Because God is not required to do things so that you will understand them. How many parents, your kids come up and start, why, why? Why? Hey, don't worry about why. Just do what I said. Right, Philip? Okay. He's found out that if he can filibuster during the lesson, that the questions get put off a little bit. Uh, The simple truth of the matter is, God is under no obligation to explain things to you. But you are under an obligation to keep praying. Amen? If you don't, you're going to faint. If you faint, you're going to lose the harvest. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Let's start that again. Still here a few pages turning. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, 
But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. You know what will keep you from fainting? You need mercy. How do you get mercy? Well, read chapter 3. It's understanding what God's word says about our sin. And then it is obeying God's word. It is surrendering ourselves to him. Same thing that happened in daily sacrifice. If we're not going to faint, number one, we got to keep praying, even when it doesn't look like God's answering. Why? Well, let's go to Hebrews eleven six. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Sometimes God says, wait, that's okay. It is always good when you obey God. Amen. Second, we need mercy. We need to understand that it is God's mercy that gives us strength to live. Let's skip down to verse 16 of this same chapter. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Look at verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You want to not faint? Get your eyes off the things that you can see. Get them on the glory of God. God wants to use you to bring glory to his name. How do we do that? Well, let's go back. You got to get mercy. You got to pray. And let's look at one more. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. You know, sometimes God just makes things tough. Why? Because he's not going to take you to heaven and turn you over his knee and give you what you need where you need it. Amen? But God has different ways of chastening us, of punishing us, of setting us in the direction that we need to be going. And sometimes we get overwhelmed with the chastening of God And we forget 
that his only purpose is to put us in the path of life that we need to be in. Amen? So when I take God's chastening and I understand that that is put there to direct me into the path of life that I should be in, and that God's blessings are there to keep me in the path of life to be in, what event in life can't you be thankful to God for? The answer is none. Amen? Everything is there for a purpose. And if we will grab a hold of this and understand it, we won't faint. And if we don't faint, we'll reap the harvest. If we make up our mind that we're not going to get weary in well-doing. You see, we like heroes, we like big events, we like incredible circumstances... But how many of us like the daily grind that it takes to get there? That's what this verse is talking about. The cycle of sowing and reaping is a cycle of life. How would you get your food at the grocery store if the farmer said, I don't feel like planting this year. I'm just going to stay home. We'd all be in trouble. Well, you have got a life. God wants you to use each day of it, the effort that he has given you, to do well. Amen? We've got to realize that it is important that we cannot take a break from doing right. We need to serve God each and every day. If you want to make sure your life will count for God, make sure it counts for Him today. Make sure it counts for Him when it is today. Because it's always today. Tomorrow is never tomorrow when it gets here. It always becomes today. Amen? That's all you have. Use it. And you'll reap the harvest. God's given you some specific tools. Prayer. Mercy. Understanding that our existence is to bring glory to God. And that when God chastens us, it's because he is that good father that is going to force us into the way which we should go. Because that's the job of a father. Amen? Let's go back to Galatians 6. We'll be done. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. One more time. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap 
if we faint not. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night. We thank you for this wonderful verse. Lord, I don't believe that I've given anything new or astounding tonight. But Lord, I know my heart needed to be reminded of these things. It's too easy to get our eyes off of the daily things and on to all these fantastic things that are just swirling around us. Lord, help us to remember. Help us to make that choice in our hearts and in our minds that we will not be weary in doing right. We will not be weary in well-doing. Let us believe and understand that we will reap in due season. Lord, help us to pray. Even when you are silent at our prayers. Help us to understand the mercy that we have received. And that that mercy ought to change the way we live every day. Lord, help us to look to the glory of God rather than the easing of our circumstance. And let us remember that when we do feel that chastening hand, it is simply because you love us and want us to do right. Lord, I pray that we would not be weary in well-doing. We would remember we're going to reap in due season. And Lord, that we would not faint. In your name I pray. Before we finish that prayer, maybe you'd like to add some to your, uh, some of your own prayers to the one that's already been prayed. And we'll just have the piano begin to play. And if you need to slip out of your seat, the altar is open.